you're going to be a strong leader, you've got to have a core purpose that will inspire you to then inspire others. Welcome to Inspiring Leaders, the podcast that shares ideas, perspectives, and best practices from great leaders around the world to help you become a more inspired leader. Hey there, and welcome back to another action-packed episode of your favorite podcast, The Inspiring Leaders Show. Well, I'm your host and executive coach, Terry Lepofsky, and today we have a totally unique guest for you. One that's going to provide deep insight, evidence, and understanding for a topic that's on most organizational leaders' radar. This is about generational change. Our guest today is not only one of the smartest people that I've ever met, but he helps others get super smart as well by providing them with the evidence that they need to be better leaders. Our guest today is the president and CEO of Abacus Data. Dr. David Coletto. David, welcome to the Inspiring Leaders Show. Thank you so much, Terry. I say it again, to be described as one of the smartest people you know, and you've met a lot of smart people. I appreciate that. We'll see if I can meet that standard today. Well, <laughs> maybe I'm setting the bar up there pretty high. Pretty but I high. Say, come on. But, <laughs> come on. But I got to say that I think that it's very authentic to say that because I've had a good chance to see you speak in many locations. I've had a chance to sit down and chat with you. My goodness, you are filled with insight, knowledge, and wisdom that is head and shoulders above most of the other folks that I've met in my life. Now, listen, before we plunge into this topic about generational change, let's see if we can shed a little light on you. I've got a good question for you. Are you okay with that? Let's do it. My first question I love to ask our guests is, what or who inspires you and why? It's a great question. No one person that I look to. My family, my grandfather immigrated from Italy and sort of built a business from nothing. Always been an inspiration to me and sort of being so proud of him. But when I look at sort of the business world or my own industry, there's no one person that I want to emulate. But what really inspires me just to do really good work, serve the people I help, whether it's through the research we're doing, the market research that we support, or the the great opportunity I have to travel around the country and talk to different groups and inspire them to get beyond stereotypes around younger generations and to see the opportunity that really exists. What inspires me every day to get up is to build a business that continue to grow and hire exciting people who I love to work with every day, but then enables me to build a good team so that I can go off and do some of the other work that I do. It's a mix of a number of things, but drive for excellence, I think, has been for me something I learned from my grandfather, and I just try to carry out with everything that I do. I have a lot of respect for what you just said. It's not so much the people that are inspiring you, the Nelson Mandela's and Steve Jobs and the rest of it. I like your answer. It's very unique, and I haven't heard that before. It's the opportunity to work with people and to help inspire them with what you're able to provide. By the way, you have built a fantastic team. You're the CEO of Abacus Data. I know that you guys are a full-service market research and strategy firm. You're based here in the national capital, but you're not your typical business CEO. David Coletto is a little different. So what is it that I mean by that? Well, first off, I know that you've got a PhD in political science and kind of an unofficial PhD in psychology <laughs> in the works, but uh, you're also an adjunct professor at Carleton University. 
You are a fantastic keynote speaker. And to top it all off, you're a millennial. So I got to ask you another question here, David. How does someone with such limited time on this planet accomplish this much? What is it that your parents fed you? And if it's okay, can I have some? (laughs) Well, first, this is an audio podcast. But if you see a picture of me, everyone always wonders how old I actually am. I look even younger than I am. I'm 36. So I'm an old millennial, but still young. And I credit my grandmother, again, Italian heritage, giving me all that olive oil to keep me looking young. But I think my mantra for the first third of my life, I'm going to assume I'm going to live till I'm 100. So uh, the first third of my life has been about never saying no to anybody. And so anytime an opportunity has come along in that first third of my life, I've said yes. So, you know, I had a prof in undergrad who said, you should go and do a PhD. And I said, you know, I don't think I can do that. I don't think I have the ability to reach that level of academia. But at the end of the day, I said, you know, I kind of want to do my own thing. And I want to just go in the deep end on a topic and and sort of embrace it for for years. So I moved out to Calgary, which I'd never even been to and, and did four years out there. Oh, I didn't know that. You were U of C or University of Calgary? Yeah. University of Calgary, UFC. I, I decided if I'm going to study Canadian politics, I, I need to live somewhere other than Ontario for right. for an extended period of time. And at the time, Alberta, and it still is a, a really interesting place. It was I, I lived through a boom and a bust and, and got to know kind of the prairie mountain life. And it was a really exciting experience. Now I'm at a stage in my life where, unfortunately, I have to start saying no to people. There's too many opportunities and too much ask of my time. And too little time, yeah. And I've had to learn the opposite, which is how valuable time is. One of the things I've learned from reading and talking to mentors and the time that you have is the most valuable thing. So I've had to break a little bit of my golden rule. But, but the first, I think I partly why I achieve so much is anytime I've had an opportunity to do something, even if it didn't obviously look like a way to make a living or there was any real financial or personal benefit, I, I sort of took a plunge and it's worked out well for me. I've been quite lucky. With that, plus a little bit of hard work helps make that luck happen. So for the first part of your life, it was expanding your horizons and saying yes. And now that your company is taking off and everything that you have to say is being listened to with undivided attention. Now, I love that old saying that if it's not a hell yes, it's a no. And now you got to stay focused and uh, fiercely protect your time, I'm sure. Yes. And it's really hard because I'm just a natural person who wants to do everything for everybody. So it's been one of the harder lessons in the last basically 12 months. I've kind of made this a a goal of mine and that is to control my schedule a little bit better. I've seen you speak several times and I want to share with our audience here that when you are up on stage, it's amazing. I look around the room and absolutely nobody is on their iPhones. Every set of eyeballs are on you. And people are hanging off every word that you're saying. They're doing their best to soak in all the rich data that you and your colleagues at Abacus Data are digging up and presenting to us. I've been riveted in every presentation that I've gone to. And honestly, folks, David is an incredibly engaging speaker. The thing that amazes me the most is that you use your perspective as a millennial and coupled with that big brain horsepower from your doctoral studies and experience in leading the team at Abacus Data. And you use that and you bring out what Pink Floyd calls the amazing powers of observation. 
specifically your insights into generational change are really nothing short of profound. And that's what I hope that you'd share with us today. So if you don't mind, David, give us a little insight into what you and your team are doing over there at Abacus and what kind of revelations that you've been able to uncover through all the work that you're doing there. Thank you for all of the kind words. We don't focus exclusively on generational change, but we've made it kind of our passion and a niche for us in in which to to sort of start my business and grow from there. And it's really all about the last two decades, I think, uh, have been the most interesting. We've seen the most profound change in technology. And as a result of that, the generational change that we've seen is the emergence of what we call the millennials, those born between 1980 and 2000. And we've seen them, you know, I'm one of them, I'm an older one come of age, increasingly entering the workforce, joining teams, leading teams, disrupting markets, creating new opportunities. I saw that there was a real opportunity for someone in a team to really understand what impact they're having on a range of areas, whether that be brands and, and consumer market, whether that be the workplace, whether that be politics and public affairs. And what we wanted to do is bring a uniquely Canadian perspective because so much of the research, so much of the perspective is very much American or Western European focused. And we thought in our own experiences that there is a lot of difference separating Canadian and Americans. Even though we have this unprotected border, there's a lot of differences that really manifest themselves into how we think of the world and how we behave. That's become a a passion project for me. It's become a a great opportunity for me to speak to to whole numbers of groups. But we really come at this as a counter to what I felt was a really derogatory and negative view of generational change. Yeah, it was for a while, wasn't it? You still see hints of it in the commentary that millennials are lazy, entitled narcissists. I say that millennials have the worst brand of any generation. No wonder many of us don't want even to be labeled it. If you're called a millennial or you refer to the millennials, first thing people think about is this lazy, unmotivated dreamer who sitting on their parents' couch and doesn't want to work. And what I've come to learn from the research is the complete opposite. Of course, in every generation, in every age group, in every society, there are going to be people who aren't as motivated as others, who just can't get that excited about much and are not going to push hard. But to paint an entire generation of nine and a half million Canadians, the largest generation in our country, the largest consumer group, the largest, soon to be the majority of the workplace with that simple description is unfair. Yes. And so what I've tried to do is enlighten as best I can through data, what is actually happening? Why is it that if you are a 60-year-old and you look at my generation, you think we're lazy and entitled, when in fact, it's very much how we were raised that matters this idea that the world is a huge opportunity for us, that we can achieve anything we want, that we were encouraged not to necessarily compete vigorously with one another, but to work together and solve problems together, much more collaborative, that we need constant feedback because we lived in a world in which we were constantly got feedback, whether it was from our hockey coach or our dance instructor or our teachers, that we were in school from a much younger age early on. And so what I try to do is describe that millennial upbringing that is quite distinct from earlier generations, and then add on the fact that we are all digital natives and grew up with technology. And so that has further accelerated the differences between generations. That's really my philosophy behind all the work that we do is to try to bring some insight to, we say, put a generational lens 
on business problems, on business opportunities, on leading teams. And I work in a range of topics, but they all come back to how do you get this generation to be motivated, to become loyal to your brand or to work hard for you? There's a lot of people with lots of questions, as I've come to learn, that are struggling with that question. But increasingly, I feel much more open-minded about making the kinds of changes that I think they need to in order to be successful. Your message resonates very, very well with me. I think going back just a few years, it seemed to me that somebody somewhere hit the fast forward button on society. And people are more or less hanging on right now, trying to understand what changed yesterday. And by the time they figure it out, it's already changed two, three more times. So Mm -hmm. a lot of folks are hanging on out there and trying to keep up. But that doesn't just apply to the things that we're doing and the products that we're using. It applies to people as well. And the people born between the 80s and 2000, I think the way that they were raised, the way that they went through their lives influenced them in a way that does have those subtle differences that you don't see when you immediately meet somebody. But when you sit down and have a chat with them or you start talking with them, it becomes obvious that their values are slightly different. Mm -hmm. What matters to them or how they want to matter is slightly different as well. The folks that are looking at jobs right now, when they're going to websites, if they don't see a strong purpose that they align with, they're on to the next one. They're not going to be wasting their time, investing their time in an organization that just doesn't have that strong sense of direction and purpose. Absolutely. And I think given even your, your podcast, inspired leadership. This is a generation that has to be inspired. Right. They have to be engaged and ask, participate. And it's got to be clear whether it's how do I get to the next level? How am I going to become successful as team member? But I also have to feel that the motives and the inclination of the leader are sound and aligned with my values. And so it's really, really important, more so than ever, that that is the focus. And it's not a perfect way to describe, I think, how people think today versus how perhaps we thought in the past. But I think it used to be that employers and team leaders would look at their team members and say, it's a privilege that you have a job. And so I can use that as leverage over you to get what I want. And it's not just millennials. I think we've seen evolution in how people view their relationship with their employer. So one where we're now shifting much more sharply to it's a privilege that I, as a team member, work for you. That if you don't treat me with respect, if you don't inspire me to work hard every day, if you don't give me the tools I need to be successful, then I'm not going to work hard. I'm not going to let you be successful because I know clearly that you're benefiting from my work more than I am. That's the nature of our system. And I think that understanding and that perspective forces leaders to shift, not just subtly, but I think fundamentally in how you lead a team. And you go from the vocabulary I use with my team. I've got all millennials, except for Bruce Anderson, who's chairman, working with me. And you'll see, I just use the term working with me. They don't work for me. That kind of team mentality that, that I try to bring is something that almost feels natural to me, as opposed to me having to force myself to refer to us as the we instead of the you and I. David, I'm hearing echoes of another episode that we recorded last year with another millennial. Rajiv Behera, the CEO of a software company in San Francisco called Reflective. 
and they make performance management software. And when he and I were speaking, he says that it's about time the human resources start reversing their name and call themselves resources for humans. Mm. He was really speaking about what you're just talking about. And that is, yeah, it's a privilege to have some of these people working for us in our organizations. And we need to figure out how to make sure that they are motivated to stay. We need to make sure that we're giving them a purpose to work towards and something that kind of builds that motivation inside of them and lights that fire inside of them. And treats them like people. I'm not saying that all organizations don't do that. It's remarkable to be reminded of how meaningful it is to tell somebody, good job this week, see you on Monday. Like those little things matter so much, particularly to younger employees who feel a little anxious, don't know quite what role they might be playing. And so to have their employer, their boss, their manager, whatever title you might use, just recognizing them is so valuable and doesn't cost anything to do and only takes a little bit of time. I know that we've only touched on a little bit of detail here, and I know that your knowledge base goes very, very deep. And as a matter of fact, I'll even say this. I've seen a lot of people out there on social media, at public speaking gigs. I've seen a lot of people tackle the topic of millennials and generational change. David, I've never seen anybody that comes close to what you're able to offer for insight, for knowledge, for information. And because you are a millennial, for really identifying with that information in a very real way. So you have a lot to offer. I'm hoping people are going to reach out to you as well. I appreciate that. And I hope they do. I'm going to keep working hard to keep that standard up. I'm going to have all of your contact information on LinkedIn, Twitter, email, website, all that good stuff will be in the show notes. But listen, before we let you go, we have a tradition here. A couple more questions for you, if you're all right with that. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Okay, here we go. What challenges does David Coletto see facing many of today's leaders? I have the privilege of doing quite a bit of research to ask leaders a lot of these kind of questions too, but I see it in my own work. That's why I wanted to ask you. (laughs) It's the people question on teams. It's how do you recruit and retain the best in your organizations? We are facing in the next five years a talent shortage across almost every sector of our economy, that the challenge will be stepping up our games as leaders, that every single day, individuals know they're going to have individual employees, individual citizens, consumers are increasingly powerful or increasingly empowered. And that means we can't be complacent. That's the big challenge I think we're, we're going to face up. Right. Yeah. Along with living in Trump land, which is always a challenge that for, for all of us, I think that's for me the, the biggest one. And I'm seeing it on my own, in my own work, but in, and I'm increasingly hearing it with, with the people we talk to in, in research that we do with senior business leaders. It's like trying to walk on uh, ground that's constantly shifting. <laughs> I have a last question for you, David. What does inspired leadership mean to you? I think it, to me, it means having a purpose. You can't be inspired unless you have a purpose. Just being profitable and just making a lot of money, I think in my world, and I think in the millennial dominated world, will lose its luster really quickly. And so we're moving to, I think, one in which purpose drives us all. And if you're going to be a strong leader, you've got to have a core purpose that will inspire you to then inspire others. That is an awesome answer, folks. There you have it. 
another compelling and inspiring leader who's helping all of us understand the changes that are happening all around us and helping us all become a little bit better. Thanks, David Coletto, for joining us here on Inspiring Leaders. We sure do appreciate your time and perspectives. Thanks for coming. Thank you so much, Terry. It's been a blast. And thanks as well to all of our listeners for tuning in. Take a couple of minutes to rate us on iTunes and help us grow and continue to attract awesome leaders like Dr. David Coletto. It only takes a second and it really makes a difference. Join us again next week when we welcome another inspiring guest. Take care, everybody, and bye for now. (laughs) 